0: So welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are um, sort of familiar with our um, podcast, but generally the format is to have a little bit of fun. So we will certainly aim to do that today. Brought to you by 11FS, but today we're bringing you a little bit of a special show. Obviously we're here, we're live at CAS Business School's Finance Conference. And We're going to be getting to grips with what it takes to sort of make it in the fintech world, I guess. We've got an awesome panel um, of sort of movers and shakers who have done that and also who are helping to make it a super fun place to be. So I think we're going to have fun. I'm Ross Gallagher. I am today joined by my 11FS colleague and head of consulting, Jeff Tyson. Say hi, Jeff. Hi there, guys. There we go. Uh, Sophie Winwood, head of partnerships at Innovate Finance. Hiya. And of course, Val Christensen, head of PR and marketing at Oak North.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Okay, so look, today we're talking about breaking into fintech, you know, what the industry looks like and where it's heading. So the skills that you need really to keep up. So we'll be asking what background is best and I think what recruiters are ultimately looking for. So let's move straight on, talk about backgrounds. Jeff, do you want to kick us off with your
2: origin story and I guess how you landed at 11FS, what's your, what drew you to the role? It's early days still, but... <laughs> it is. I mean, I've, I've always been, been fascinated by financial services. I did my master's in economics and business. My first job was in financial services as a private banker for AMRO. Then had a number of different jobs in the financial services space. Uh, if I fast forward, then joined the digital team at Lloyds. Worked on some really, really cool, interesting stuff there. And then spent the past couple of years working in uh, the payments innovation space for one of the big four banks. And then in the last couple of months, um, building a new bank, which, as you can imagine, was was incredibly exciting. In the past two or three years, I was running the fintech activities for Capco, a big global management technology consulting firm. And again, worked on some incredibly exciting engagements. To, To me, the thing I really enjoy about fintech and why I'm passionate about this space is There's so much going on, and I honestly think there's never been a more exciting time to work in financial services. So I guess, you know, I guess the format of this, guys, is going to be
0: mostly me trying to interpret what you guys are thinking, throwing them at the panel, and then 10 minutes at the end where you guys actually tell us what you were thinking, we'll throw them at the panel. Um, I guess a lot of these guys are going to be thinking, you know, consulting's a super interesting space, and obviously Capco is kind of one of the market leaders in that sort of banking consulting space. After so long at Capco, what sort of drew you to 11FS?
2: I think if you look at the the work that 11FS does, I mean, we're very much focused on, yeah, helping banks to deal with all these new emerging technologies that are out there. So, for many, many years, I mean, banks kind of managed to get away with it. There wasn't necessarily a an immediate need to be more innovative and now all of a sudden you've got all these emerging technologies and banks really really need to change so regulation is forcing banks to, to really rethink their business model and what we try to do is help banks on that journey not just to become more innovative and, and to become you know, more digital I mean we have this saying that digital banking is only 1% finished uh, but really support them on that journey and, and make sure that you know, banks will become uh, or continue to become successful in the next couple of decades. Awesome
0: And we'll talk a little bit more about the role of technology and finance, I guess, uh, throughout the session. Sophie, how are you?
3: Good, thank you.
0: Good. I want to challenge you. I want to put you on the spot a little bit. So audit and corporate advisory at Deloitte and then to innovate finance. And what I love is your Twitter bio says that you are trying to make the fintech world a better place. Talk to us about that.
3: Um, Absolutely. And by the way, I quite like that this is like our origin story. I feel like we're like super like fintech superheroes, kind of cool. i going to go tell you my origin story. Um, so yeah, for my sins, um, I started in uh, audit. Um, I'm not saying that's a bad place to start. It taught me a lot of really good things about the fundamentals of um, how businesses work. It um, kind of got me a really great network, but I was feeling a little bit frustrated because you don't actually do anything in audit. You just kind of check stuff and then you get a signature on a piece of paper that says everything's okay so i moved into corporate finance in financial services so um you know advising on buying selling financial services companies mostly insurance companies insurance brokers which was fine and then i worked on two fintech deals Um, one was a parking payments application called pay by phone don't know if anyone's used it so you can pay for parking on an app instead of putting it in machines uh, super cool. I learned so much about parking. I'm actually a weirdly like dorky think parking is really cool. <laughs> and then I also worked on another one, which is like an insure tech platform. And I kind of fell in love with the companies and the whole ethos around sort of how they were different from financial services. They were really excited. They want to change the world, but they were also really fun and they wanted to do things that were outside the box. So I kind of looked at fintech and I was like, I I want to find out more about this. It's cool, exciting. And I was looking at doing maybe some courses or studying it. And then Innovate Finance, for those of you that don't know, we're essentially the industry body for UK fintech. So we're a membership organization uh, with 250 members from one person, two person startup right up, up to large institutions like Barclays, Santander, RBS. So Deloitte became a member of Innovate Finance I seconded across for six months as part of our membership, fell in love, and then jumped ship and started working at Innovate Finance.
0: Which is awesome, because you are actually trying to make fintech a better place.
3: I'm pretty much trying to make fintech a better place. So, yeah. I
0: love it. Valentina.
3: Uh, yes, so I, I head up
1: the comms at Oak North Bank, um, which if you haven't heard of it, it's a challenger bank. So, um, does anyone has anyone heard of Metro Bank? Yeah, a couple of you. Okay, so Metrobank was the first challenger bank in 150 years. And by that, I mean that there hadn't been a bank that had been granted a banking license for 150 years. So you have the big five players, the big five banks. Um, and Metro was the first one back in 2010. So they were actually my first client. I was working uh, out of university and I joined a communications consultancy and Metrobank was my first client. And I kind of fell in love with this idea of challenger banking because I'm Danish. Um, and in Denmark, you don't really have challenger banks, it's not really something, it's not really a concept there. Um, but my first exposure really to fintech was funnily enough with Innovate Finance. Uh, in 2014, Lansons won the brief to uh, to launch Innovate Finance. And they were launching with over 50 different fintech companies as members. So companies like eToro, Crowdcube, TransferWise. Um, and so that was my kind of first exposure to that. And I thought that was very interesting. It was a bit later on that some of the, I guess, neo banks came into the market. So the likes of uh, Monzo Bank, Bank. Has anyone anyone heard of Monzo? Yeah, a couple of you. Starling Bank, um, Atom Bank, so a couple of those. So the bank that I work with is actually an SME challenger bank. So we lend to fast growing established businesses. So not really startups, businesses that are scaling up, looking for between sort of half a million up to 30 million pounds. Some of our clients are the likes of Leon, uh, Brasserie Blanc, uh, Notes Coffee. Um, and in November last year, we closed a 250 million investment round, which valued us at uh, just over um, almost 1.3 billion dollars. So also one of the, uh, the UK's newest unicorn companies, which is sort of business lingo for a private company that's valued at a billion dollars or more. And how I actually started working at Oak is that they were a client of mine. And like Sophie, I was seconded, <laughs> uh, fell in love. That's a tip. If anyone ever had, <laughs> wants to send people uh, on secondments, just be weary that, uh, you know, they might end up staying there. And that's that's what happened to me. And I ended up uh, really, really enjoying it. And so then about three months in, sat down with our founders, Rishi Kozler and Joel Pellman, and said, I love working here and I think you should hire me. <laughs> and that was basically it. The next day I had a contract. So um, we're going to talk about it a bit later. But I think one of the things, you know, especially because there's a couple of students in the room, you know, how do you kind of break into the space? A big part of it is actually just... Being a bit ballsy sometimes, and being, you know, uh, willing to have those conversations with founders, even though it might be a bit of a, a challenging conversation, it's it could be really worth it because obviously they weren't a unicorn company. When I started, they had a loan book of almost zero. Now we've lent over a billion pounds, and you know we're a, we're a unicorn company. So it's it's been exceptional growth in just two years, and such uh, really really fun to be part of that that growth journey.
0: And this is what's so exciting about the space, right? Yeah, uh, you know, this is we're almost numb to it because we're seeing it happen. Pretty much everywhere now across the fintech space, and that's what's so exciting. Also, Sophie and Val, helpfully, have answered the "how do you get into fintech?" question. It's a convent mostly, it seems. Val, one thing I wanted to pick up as well: um, you've been involved through fintech talents and sort of actually like shaping some of the hiring stuff around that. And I know you're particularly passionate about the sort of gender pay gap and, and getting more women involved in fintech. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you know that's definitely one of the challenges. I think it's had its moment now. It's it's kind of coming into the spotlight a bit more because of you know very uh, high profile campaigns like the Me Too movement. Obviously, the fact that new legislation has meant that any company with 250 or more employees has to report on their gender pay gap, which has meant that there's a lot more media attention around this. So one thing that I do with uh, Fintech Talents is we work to hopefully increase the uh, female pipeline in uh, both financial services and Fintech. Uh, There's still... The numbers are still not so bad, sort of at the junior mid levels, but certainly when you get up into the more senior levels, there's a huge drop in terms of uh, the number of women in senior positions. So we try to look at sort of the reasons behind that and hopefully work towards uh, fixing that.
0: Awesome. I saw a really interesting interview with um, the founder of Alibaba recently, where he's talking about for businesses to grow and to be successful. He needs people who can empathize with their colleagues. And he said, we've got 47% across the entire organization that's women. But he said, that's not because of some quota. That's because women are more naturally empathetic than men.
1: EQ, yeah. He called it emotional intelligence, right? EQ, yeah.
0: Great. Okay. So, I guess, as for me, I think, um, fundamentally, I'm just like an anarchist at heart. I love disruption. I tried to fit in. I've gone down this sort of like digital banking research route. I tried to fit in at more conformist or, or I guess, more, more well-structured organizations, always with the same outcome, which was bad. And yeah, so then, I mean, I'd been aware of 11FS really for quite a while. I had like heart eyes emoji, I guess. Can we say that? I had a company crush. Can we company crush? Career crush? I think so. I think so. Um, Yeah, I love them. Um, So, yeah, I I came on board. Um, Like Jeff, it's not really been all that long. We are a a sort of growing challenger consultancy. But, yeah, I guess it's been really fun. And I guess, you know, we're going to – we've given you kind of our backgrounds now. So, we'll explore, you know, I guess the industry now and start to answer some of the sort of broader questions about – I guess, why we're here. So I'm going to throw some questions at the panel. We'll kind of throw them around, bat them back and forth ourselves. Ultimately, then we're going to go into a and a for you guys. We've got brought, up, brought along some nice kind of goodies to incentivize questions. But yeah, let's kick off. So the first question that I've got for our panel is, at its core, what is fintech and what kind of people is it trying to attract? So I guess when people think fintech, they think disruption, right? You know, we're disrupting what has been I guess quite a static industry for really quite a long time, but valid. Not just disruption for the sake of disruption, is it? No,
1: I mean I think sort of actually historically, obviously, fintech stands for financial technology. So I think initially the the view or the what people thought of fintech was it was the technology that that was behind banks. So things like the, the core banking infrastructure. It wasn't the kinds of businesses that you see today, which you know fall under the umbrella of fintech, but could be divided even further into things like regtech, blockchain, uh, ledger. Lend tech, insure tech. Uh, you know, if you look at um, anyone from you know peer-to-peer lenders, alternative lenders like iWalker, like Funding Circle, all the way through to you know pension firms like Pension B or wealth management platforms like Wealth Simple or Wealthify, uh, and then through to uh, neo banks or challenger banks like Oak North, like Monzo, like Starling, Atom Bank, Revolut, uh, all of those kinds of providers. So it's very, very broad now. And I think that's great because it helps you to attract a much broader spectrum of people. You might, you know, it's, it's very hard. If you look at something like banking, you know, there's normally then a sector of banking that you're going to be particularly interested in, um, whether that's investment banking, or it's more of the retail side of banking, or it might be more of the business SME side of banking. Um, and I think what's great about fintech, it's actually very broad as well. So if you have an interest in insurance or wealth management, or banking, uh, or pensions, uh, then you can, I know probably not many people have meant that much interest interesting. <laughs> you, you can uh, you can you can find something probably that will uh, that will interest you.
0: So you're right. So there's really I guess no corner of financial services that fintech hasn't sort of attacked a little bit. So why do you think that's resonated so much with customers? I mean, you know, we see like Revolut now breaking easy like six hundred thousand active customers. You know, I mean that we're seeing these kinds of numbers across the board. Why do you think the fintech model has resonated so much?
3: I think what's what's really interesting about fintech and why I think. It touches everyone is because it's all about exchanging of money and money fundamentally is very very important to everyone's lives and we actually have quite an emotional attachment to money but historically it's been at quite a distance and people have become quite ambivalent with their financial services you know you get paid into a current account and you might get a loan you know but actually a lot of people don't have that Interaction with it that's interesting or that they feel kind of valued. They almost feel like, oh, well, I get the salary, I have to put it somewhere. I'll go with the big banks. Whereas, fintech is fundamentally changing that shift to put consumers at the heart. Because banking, you know, it's kind of shifted. The consumer was like many steps um, in front of what the fundamental banking was. Whereas fintech are going right. Customers, what do they want? How can we evolve a product that makes you know the application applicable to them and What's really cool is, before like financial services, you wouldn't talk about it. Now people are using Monzo card as a chat up line in bars, and people are getting excited about the fact that you I don't know if you guys
0: have seen this. Apparently, yeah. it's true. So
3: like another top tip, uh, if you want to <laughs> <guess>. uh, <laughs> you know, people are thinking that it's cool to invest in ices with nutmeg because you can you can share it on your phone, and it's it's um, starting to get a bit more cool, interesting, and viral, which I think is is quite exciting.
0: And and that virality point is key, isn't it? I think, you know, word of mouth, I mean, they don't have, these fintechs don't have like the marketing and the PR budgets, as you know, of the the big banks, but it's super interesting. Um, Jeff, do you want to pick up on Sophie's point around, I think the fintechs are doing, you know, they're they're really resonating with customers because they're picking up on that emotional need rather than just the transactional need.
2: This morning, I actually had a look at Wikipedia and the definition of fintech on Wikipedia by many considered to be the single source of truth. Uh, um, So what Wikipedia says is, fintech is the new technology and innovation that aims to compete with traditional financial methods in the delivery of financial services. Now, I I tend to disagree with parts of that statement, um, especially because, as Sophie said, it's missing a very important aspect, which is the end consumer. And from my perspective, Fintech is all about how how can you leverage these new latest technologies to deliver a faster, better, cheaper, more efficient, and more compelling service to the end consumer. I hate the term disruption, but you know, I very much agree with Sophie's point about it, it is how can you change customers' lives for the better? It's an awesome concept, isn't it? You know, I mean, I think so
0: many of the big banks, when they start out launching a new product or just when they think about customers in general, think far too much about the customer goal. Think far too much about um, the customer expectation where they should be thinking about the consumer end goal. So we're always, it seems, focused on the point of transaction rather than what the customer is actually trying to achieve in their day-to-day life. I think that's the difference, Val.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, so does anyone, has anyone seen the, the HBO show Silicon Valley before? Yeah. yeah. So, and the, the kind of the ongoing joke in that is how every single company says, making the world a better place. And it's, it is this kind of rhetoric that comes out of a lot of Silicon Valley companies. I think the difference with fintech is that, you know, we're not making the world a better place, but we are actually help trying to help oh, the, the customer. <laughs> you know, I mean, your money is a big part of your life. So if you can help someone to manage their money better, to save more, to help them, you know, put money in a pension, to help them get a better mortgage, to help them make more from their savings, then you probably are going to really make quite a fundamental difference to their life. More so than, you know, if you happen to be a social media platform or, uh, you know, a search engine, which helps, you know, to connect with your, your friends, you know, a bit a bit better. So I think That's, that's also one thing that's quite different with fintech. And another thing is the fact that, as Ross said, you know, fintech companies are actually uh, breaking even. You know, we reached cash flow break even in 11 months, which is practically unheard of for a bank because the overheads are extremely high. Uh, we had a full year of profitability in 2017. Um, and, you know, other companies like Revolut, I mean, you know, they're reaching a million customers now, uh, reached break even. And that's, you know, that's something as well that's that's quite different because these aren't just valuations, you know, that are kind of being plucked out of thin air. They're businesses that are actually delivering real value and that are Uh, making those profits and and you're seeing those numbers on the balance sheet, which is also really, really important and is quite a big contrast to some of the Silicon Valley tech companies where it's all about the growth and will kind of make money much further down the the growth cycle.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I couldn't agree more. I had a a really interesting conversation um, this week with a colleague who talked about what he called Copernicus banking. And it's this sort of, it seems like this sort of big moment where, you know, we've traditionally the banks have seen their own institutions as the sort of center of the universe and the customer or the sun sort of flies around them. The fintechs are sort of actually, they starting with the customer as the center of the universe and they're sort of designing out in a way. Um, which Can I, I just think, yeah,
3: jump. jump in on that just because I think we, we've talked a lot about fintech as being startups, but actually fintech does cover banks and startups. So kind of historically a couple of years ago, it was the fintechs versus the banks and it was very much sort of you know, there was a, a war going on there, but actually the tables turned, and now a lot of banks are realizing that this is the way forward. And so, as much as you've got these startups kind of coming up and becoming profitable, you've also got banks starting to heavily invest in fintech, in partnering, in doing their own thing. So, th- th- there are two sides to this as well.
0: Agreed. And Jeff, of course, is, he- you know, former head of um, fintech at Capco. I'm sure you've partnered with a lot of the big banks and, and you know, seen this in action.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of banks realize that innovation doesn't always have to come from within. And I think I've, I've really seen, them. I mean, to build on the point that, that Sophie made earlier, I've really seen a shift in the industry because a couple of years ago, it really was a lot of big banks saw fintech startups as a threat. And now it's all about collaboration. And every single bank has an innovation lab or is part of even an accelerator. So that, that has really, really changed. And I think there's an awful lot of phenomenal fintech companies out there that are doing some amazing stuff. So as a bank, why would you do that yourself? if you could partner with one of those amazing fintech companies that's out there.
0: I love it. Okay, and actually it's a nice segue on to our next question, which is how how do we strike the right balance between finance and technology? And what sort of experience is most useful, I guess, from a sort of resourcing and sort of staffing point? I think you know the the note I've jotted down here for myself is
2: technology led but customer centered yeah I think I think it's fair. I think if you look at the the typical team composition for a lot of fintech businesses out there some the fintech startups, not necessarily the banks it is very heavily technology led I think what's quite interesting as well is you know there's quite a few banks out there who are now talking about you know we want to become a tech company we want to become a software company like Goldman Sachs and BBVA hiring God knows how many developers. So again, yeah, I think it's a really, really interesting shift, but I, I very much agree with your point. So I think, obviously,
0: you raised BBVA. I mean, they're, they're a really good example. You've got Francisco Gonzalez, their um, executive chairman, um, who has you know decided that realistically, looking forward, they're not competing with the big banks, they're competing with the big tech companies. That may or may not be right, we always sort of flag that, you know, Blockbuster, for example, never saw Netflix coming. They thought they were competing with Apple. So, you know, that sort of disruption never really comes from where you're coming from. But yeah, I mean... File.
1: well yeah I mean you might have seen the news yesterday the announcement from uh, Jeff Bezos about uh, Amazon potentially looking to open bit bank accounts so you know I think in addition to competition that might be coming from fintech's in the you know in the retail banking space like the Monzo starlings uh, you'll also have some of the big tech companies like the Google's Facebook's Amazon's who might be looking to come into this space I mean Amazon's got a great SME lending proposition and uh, sort of smaller ticket sizes so more sort of working capital unsecured loans have a couple of hundred thousand uh, dollars max but um, they're a business that's that could because of all the data they have uh, could be in a prime position much more so than you know a startup which would be getting all that data from from scratch.
0: So it's an interesting point around the data and Sophia, I was going to throw to you what about that sort of um, that partnership model where we're seeing the tech companies partnering with the banks and actually doesn't that raise the question of who then can access or who owns that customer data?
3: Yeah I think it's really interesting and so there's been a lot of movement in this space. I don't know if any of you have heard about um, Open Banking and PSD2, yeah, some people. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's been um, a lot of movement. So it was um, so Open Banking is an initiative by um, CMA, which is basically trying to create some more competition within financial services and to open up uh, transaction data to trusted third parties, really aimed to kind of give consumers back control of their data. There is that movement going there. And it, it is, again, kind of about partnering. One thing I was going to kind of come back to is, you know, we, we were really hammering the technology point here. But what we have to remember is financial services is it, the reason why it's different from every other sector is, is highly regulated. So as much as you can be tech from the ground up and, you know, have the most advanced stack and the best guys on board, you are going to have to have some financial services experience to be able to tick through all these boxes. I mean, the hurdles you guys had to go through to get your banking license was kind of crazy. So that you do, you do need that balance. You can't just be fully, you know, millennial techs with, um, playing games and stuff. hundred
0: percent. And I mean, ultimately, you know, the regulation example is a really good one, isn't it? Because you need someone who can talk to regulators in language that they understand and sort of mediate between, you know, the fintech. And, you know, the banks are obviously very good at that. Right, Jeff?
2: True. Although I think you're going to struggle to find anyone in the financial services sector who who doesn't agree with the fact that the industry needs to change. I personally just don't think you can achieve that with people who have been working in this space for the past 30, 40 years. Although just hiring a bunch of techies isn't necessarily going to change your organisation. I think it, it very much comes down to your mindset and the ability to get shit done. Agreed. We wanted to let you know that if you love this show, how about seeing it live? We're going to be at Money 2020 Europe in Amsterdam this June, and we're bringing Fintech Insider live with us. We'll be bringing the podcast to the main stage right before the drinks reception and you can be there. Sign up for tickets now. Go to europe.money2020.com forward slash register and use discount code 1811FS. That's 1811FS to get 200 euros off the ticket price.
0: To our next question, which is, where do the principles of fintech and traditional finance Differ For me, fundamentally, Jeff's just said it, this is a mindset thing. And I guess it comes back to what we just discussed around sort of customer expectations versus consumer life goals. You know, there's a lot of good examples where banks are starting to build out from just the point of transaction. So mortgages is always a good one. We've got um, Barclays have a... Um, an app where they plug in from Zoopla to show you sort of like houses on the on the market in the local area. They have affordability calculators, everything under one UI that sort of actually manages the entire process of buying a house rather than getting a mortgage. That's the difference. Um, Sophie, thoughts?
3: Yeah, I think we've kind of touched on a few things. Having sort of worked with more traditional financial services firms, both in my role in Deloitte and also in Innovate Finance, the real difference is the ability to think outside the box and push boundaries in terms of processes. Generally, when you're in a large financial institution, your job is to do what you do really, really well and make that thing as profitable as it can be. Whereas in fintech, it's more about how can we do this differently? How can we do this more effectively? Um, how can we go a different route to get to the same end goal but kind of a, a more innovative. So that's what I kind of see in terms of the difference between principles, but also also mindset and the, the sort of people that are attracted into the field.
0: Yeah, Val. I mean, I imagine you'd agree with that, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think. Well, I started. I started my first year of
1: university in 2008. So you know, basically, you know, a year or a few months after the start of the financial crisis, and I just watched things kind of go downhill from there. I was I was studying business, so I kind of you know left or graduated, thinking I'm not going to ever be able to find a job. But actually, if I do want to find one in communications, then maybe um, finance might be a good place to start because it probably is in need of a bit of a bit of positive PR. And I think that's also why you know challenge banks like Metro initially appealed to me because I like this idea of disruptive brands at a time when the industry was kind of going through, you know, probably one of the worst uh, crises in history. Uh, obviously, since then, you've seen a number of other things, you know, the HBOS scandal, uh, the LIBOR scandal. I think what makes fintech quite different is that it tends to be much more community focused, much more customer focused, and a lot more collaborative. I mean, a lot of the fintechs actually work together. So, uh, you know, if I talk about some of those, those new challenger banks, you know, they have marketplaces on their apps where then they can show you, you know, for example, Monzo, we're in their marketplace. So they show their people who have their current account, these are some of the best places to put your savings in terms of the rate. And that's just something that you wouldn't see amongst the large banks, you know, them telling you, this is where you can go to get, you know, a better savings account, or this is where you can go to get a better rate on your mortgage, or this is where you can go to get, uh, you know, a better pension. Um, And that's something that I think is quite different. I mean, even this morning, I had a a journalist email, um, looking for some comments for, for an article that he was writing. And it wasn't quite right for us. He was referring to loan sizes that are a bit small. So I just said, um, well, I can, you know, put you in touch with iWalker, which is a alternative lending platform. They do loans of sort of a couple of hundred thousand pounds. So then, you know, dropped the CEO a line and just said, Oh, we had an email through from this journalist. If you can help him. And I think even that is just a, you know, completely different kind of mindset where we're not saying we're going to compete with you guys. It's that actually, if we can't help. Maybe we can pass you on to someone else who can. And that's, I think, as well, something that's quite different.
0: That's awesome. And that collaboration point is key. Jeff, let's talk about impact. So, you know, what impact is this new technology having on the financial services as a sector, as an industry? Um, And kind of what's the best way to keep up? And also, so new technologies, but also new applications of existing technologies. We looked yesterday at DMBs, um, passporting
2: over borders and that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, let's discuss that impact point. So, best way to keep up is is an easy one, I think. I mean, obviously, just subscribe to Fintech Insider and Blockchain Insider and InsureTech Insider. our 11FS podcast. Uh, nice, nice, nice little plug there. Yeah. Can we get a round of applause? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So wait, we are recording. We can, we, can, we can put that in later, don't worry. We? we didn't rehearse this, I promise. Yeah. I was saying in the beginning that all these new technologies are really, really forcing banks to rethink their entire business model, the entire business model. And if you look at the majority of banks, their, their cost to income ratio is still far too high. This is not sustainable. So they have to do something. They can't just sit back and and relax. I think for many years banks managed to get away with it. There wasn't necessarily an immediate need to be more innovative. But all of that is changing now. I think a key point for me is it's not about the technology. It's about what you do with it. The, the technology is just an enabler to achieve uh, to achieve those goals. And. I had an interesting conversation with uh, with one of my clients the other day who who asked me a question. What's your view on AI, Jeff? To which my response was, Well, what's the problem that you're looking to address? Right? Because you know, yes, there's many things that AI can do, and, and AI machine learning uh, could potentially be uh, be the solution to lots of different challenges that you're facing in the organisation. But what are you, what are you actually trying to address? But th- it's really really challenging for a lot of banks at the moment because you've got all these cool shiny technologies out there, and we need a bit of blockchain, we need a bit of AI, yeah, you know, we need a new platform, we need a bit of this. But where do you start? And I think that's quite often a challenge for a lot of big organizations.
0: And it's an awesome point because I think, you know, I'm sure you'll have seen this a lot throughout the course of your career. I think, you know, clients and consultants both tend to move directly to the solution, whereas solutions actually have no inherent value. They derive value from the problems that they solve, right? So this is it. You have to get to the heart of what are the issues and then let's look at how we solve it. Val, is a background in financial services that useful in this changing landscape? let's get right to the heart of the matter.
1: I mean, I think, you know, it depends on the company. Um, there are um, some companies that sort of will be deterred by that and say, actually, you know, we don't want someone who's come from, you know, a large financial institution like, you know, a big five bank like Barclays or Lloyds or um, RBS, because they'd be worried that maybe they're too institutionalized in their thinking or that, you know, they will only be able to work in a culture or an environment that has very, you know, structured processes in place. You know, one of the things that I really like about working at a startup but that a lot of people might hate is that it is kind of completely crazy. I mean, you might have a job title, but actually what you'll be doing on a day-to-day basis probably will be going, you know, be much broader than that. And what you'll be doing will be quite different really um, every single day. And often, you know, you do really – it is that kind of, you know, get shit done or, or JFDI, you know, the kind of culture where you – you know, if there's something that needs to be done, there's probably not going to be someone else in the company who you can go to and say – oh, can you do this? It's going to probably be if you spot an issue that the founder or whoever your line manager is will say, great, go do it. And that is something that I think um, is great. It gives you a huge opportunity to, um, you know, to broaden your horizons and to, to get opportunities to do things that you maybe wouldn't be able to do in an environment where you know, there's much more um, structured hierarchy.
2: Plus, you can have a glass of wine at three o'clock
0: on a Tuesday <laughs> afternoon, right? Exactly. It's Yeah, I mean, we started way before three. <laughs> so the goodies that I talked about, we're going to trade beers for questions later on. So feel free to get involved. So, yeah, I mean, so um, on our sort of um, FinTech Insider TransferWise Takeover show, they talked about never having hired a banker as kind of a point of principle. But Sophie, back to your point from earlier on, you do need particular people with a particular skill set or experience in certain areas like reg, right?
3: Yeah. And I think I've said this before, but so the kind of the history of fintech, what happened was originally fintech went after B2C propositions because they were easy to pick off and you could um, see the kind of customer proposition there. So peer-to-peer lending and payments was another one. But as, as fintech has kind of matured and we've got these big B2C companies, it's actually pivoting and we're seeing a lot more B2B companies. And so with B2B, what you need is guys in financial services to be sitting in a big bank and being frustrated by the fact that they can't change the process and then jumping out and starting these fintechs. So I do think that we do like, that's uh, you're not going to get that from someone who's got a technology background. You need that domain expertise to hop out and start fintech. So it, it kind of just depends on, on what sort of company you're talking about. And I think further
1: to that is you know exactly is a really really good point. You know I mentioned earlier about um, OakNorth valuation, you know a billion plus. You don't get that from being a UK challenger bank that lends to UK businesses. That valuation was largely drawn out of the fintech platform that Oak North is built on, which is called uh, Acorn Machine, and that was the premise around that was saying, well, we know that there's a problem with SME lending and that it could be much better, and then going into big banks, uh, so not UK banks because that would be like shooting ourselves in the foot, but foreign banks uh, and lending institutions and offering basically the Oak North proposition, white labelled or, or franchised, uh, so that they can then replicate the Oak North model in their own market and do and do the kind of SME lending that we do uh, with the types of figures that we do. So in a in a profitable way, um, you know, much shorter time frames than what you'd find with the big banks, but with ticket sizes up to 30 million, and that again, it's not a that's not a pain point that you would necessarily necessarily realize if you were a tech person. Um, that's a pain point you're going to realize if you're a, you know, person who's, who's a, a banker who's actually been working in this in this industry and understands that that's a pain point amongst SMEs.
0: Awesome. I couldn't agree more. Okay. So look, I guess the title of this, um, this panel discussion is breaking into fintech. I'm going to close before we go to the, the audience questions by asking each of you, what are the ways for younger people entering the market to get a foothold, gain experience, and I'm going to go to each of you, start with you, Val. What advice would you give to the next generation of fintech talent?
1: So my kind of, I guess my main point is network like crazy, because the world of fintech is is pretty small, actually. I mean, there's loads of companies, but once you get to know people, uh, you kind of start meeting them at all the same events. You start sitting on podcasts with them. I mean, this, I guess my whole kind of first um, apart from sort of listening to Fintech Insider, my first experience of actually meeting the team at 11FS was at one of their after dark uh, live events, which they do sort of pretty much every month. Um, now, they're being attended by about 300 people from Fintech. They're free. You can you know, follow them on Twitter and you'll see when when they're happening, um, so they're a great way to meet people. And It was at one of those events, I met David Breer, the CEO, got chatting to him about Fintech, and then he dropped me an email the next day saying, Um, You just seem to know about fintech. Do you want to come on the show on Thursday? Uh, And now I've done six of these shows, including, you know, uh, three live shows with them. um, And that's led to so many other opportunities. So off the back of people listening to me on this, then I've had invites to speak at some really big conferences uh, like uh, Finnovate, which is happening this week. Um, Obviously, this one uh so uh you know there's that that's a great way uh, networking i would say is probably my biggest tip is meet as many people as you can there are loads of free events there are loads of fintech meetups um and if you if you do that you'll probably uh, get some great opportunities to to break into the sector but also to uh you know expand your horizons and get to do some fun things like drinking wine at 3 p.m on a tuesday
3: i
0: love it sophie what are your thoughts yes
1: yeah,
3: so i think kind of my two tips would be if you are if you're interested in the the more fintech sort of startup space then um like just getting into the entrepreneurial thing as a start like get excited about starting up companies new ideas innovation there are a couple of other podcasts that um that are that, yeah that might be well listening to, uh, like how did this get made which is talking about founders and how they built their companies also now we've got quite a, a lot of good established fintechs that do some cool blogs so go and check out like monzo or currency cloud or or pick a couple of companies that you're interested go and read their blogs the other thing i would say is if this doesn't excite you like i get so excited about like stuff that's going on in the sector then maybe don't bother but if it does if you're, like, excited by blockchain or if you're excited by open banking, which I super am, then, like, go and, like, geek out to it and read about it and listen to stuff and talk to people about it and, like, find a niche, and I think that will kind of help you get involved in everything.
2: You run on pure enthusiasm. I awesome. <laughs> Jeff? I think, I think it's great to see that many universities and, and colleges have now started to offer dedicated fintech curriculums as well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, you've got the Cass Fintech Society, which is led by Warren, so go and have a chat with Warren afterwards if you're interested in that. Uh, other universities are doing exactly the same. Some universities offer coding courses. I mean, t- to build on what, what Val and Sophie said, there's lots and lots of free resources out there. There's some amazing events out there that you can, well, quite often they're, they're free to attend. And also, so talent remains one of the biggest challenges that we have in this sector. So we need more talent to help you know, the fintech sector in London continue to, to grow and continue to be successful. So we need more people like yourselves joining this sector. And there's, there's some amazing fintech businesses out there that are desperately looking for talent.
0: Awesome. I think I would just, I mean, I would only say be open. The opportunities are out there. And be flexible. Um, you know, I think you go into companies like Oak North, like Innovate Finance, like 11FS. They're small companies. They're growing super rapidly. Um, you know, and and run about and go where you need it. I think that's value you want to come in on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think actually that's another thing because I certainly remember from doing a business degree that, uh, you know, a lot of the people who I was, um, you know, sitting next to in class went on to work at the big management consultancies, you know, where they were getting... Um, you know, they were starting on sort of very high uh, five-figure salaries, which would soon be six-figure salaries. But now they're all sort of turning around and being like, I want to work in fintech. <laughs> Do you know anyone? Can you get me a job? Uh, and I think, you know, that's that's a big thing as well. Um, one thing that you, you know, you will find with a startup, obviously it comes with you know, perhaps a lot more risk, but, you know, you'll get the opportunity to potentially get some equity in the business. So whilst it might not be a six-figure salary initially, uh, you might have opportunities to invest and to put some of your own money in or to get um, equity options when you join. And, you know, if you get lucky, like I was, then when you invest, you know, you're investing in a $250 million company. And two years later, it's a billion dollar company. Um, and you're not going to get those kind of returns if you leave it in a in a savings account, right? So, at least not right now, anyway. So I think there's also there's some um, there's some big benefits as well to working for for startups or for less established brands. And you shouldn't just go, you know, for the big salary initially.
0: That's a worthwhile final word, I think. <laughs> So that wraps up our panel. You know, look, before we go, I'd like to say a massive thank you to our guests. Uh, where can people find out more about you, Val? Uh,
1: well, if you're a business or you work for a business that uh, might be looking for a loan of sort of half a million up to £30 million, pounds, then you can um, visit us at uh, www.oaknorth.com. Uh, and if you want to connect with me directly, I'm on
3: uh, Twitter at Val Christensen uh, and on LinkedIn. Sophie? If you'd like to find out more about Innovate Finance and we've got some cool like blogs and reports and stuff to find out more about fintech, it's www.innovatefinance.com. And then if you would like to link up with me, um, we have over 200 startup members always looking for talent. So, if you're interested in getting space, my email is sophie at hotmail, dot, at hotmail. That's just wrong. Sophie at innovatefinance.com and my Twitter is at Sophie Woodward.
2: You'd hit your quote on the number of times you're allowed to say innovate finance. <laughs> uh, Jeff? 11 If you want to find out more about the amazing work that we do at 11fs, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Tyser, that's t-i-j-double-s-e-n or just add me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Um, and as for me, um, Ross
0: G or rossger at 11fs.com. Um, or Gallagher 7 at Twitter. Um, Finally, I would like to say a massive thank you to Warren and the whole um, FinTech Society here at CAS for having us, for hosting this awesome event. A big thank you to our producer, Laura, for working up the show notes. Michael Bailey, who's been running around with a gimbal, which I didn't know what that was until earlier this week. And to Ollie in the front row here, our producer, who produced this uh, this event as well. So if you like what you heard today, please do subscribe. FinTech insiders, blockchain insiders, insurtech insiders, and connection interrupted. Yes, that's all for now, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Cheers. <clears throat>